I was just checking. I thought maybe, you know, want to, uh, you know, be unprepared at the last moment. And there's nothing that can be done about it, you know. And yeah, we have to readjust the script. And yeah, exactly. And I have to deal with it in post-production. There's all that. Layers of, uh, of hard work that go into, you know, 20 <laughs> minutes of what could be relative boredom to everybody else. It's really staggering in some instances, some ways. Making me feel like I should probably look for other employment somewhere else. Like something that be, could be a little bit more monetarily gratifying. In the meantime, it's 8.49 a.m. Saturday, July the 17th, 2021. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. Ouch. Yes, and it's a, it's a lovely kind of grayish kind of morning, as mornings have been kind of recently. Yeah, they have been. Well, yeah. yesterday was gray throughout the whole day. Was it the whole day? Yeah. Because a lot of days it's been burning off in the ap- mid-afternoon yeah. and then, you know, blazing for the rest it of the day. Felt like a, like a gray coverlet. It was a bit of a reprieve yesterday for those of us with sun sensitivities. Yes, so there you go. There you have it. And uh, here we sit... Like birds in the wilderness. <laughs> that was a quote from my old friend Wes, I think. Uh, Here we sit like birds in the wilderness. I think that there was a song that was like that. Was it? Here we sit like birds in the wilderness. I birds don't think... in the wilderness. Birds in I the wilderness. So. I don't think so. I don't think so, Diane. I think I will. Oh, you're going to look it up now? Yes. <laughs> Here this is what daily life is like here at Bill and Diane Show like Central. Birds <laughs> in the Crap. Who does it? Let's let's see it. Oh, I don't know. Turn it up. Here we sit like I got myself a cup of coffee here and I'm gonna take me a sip. Birds in the wilderness, birds in okay. the wilderness, birds in the Alright, that's enough. Ah, ham and eggs. Thank you. <laughs> Jeez. Alrighty. <laughs> Well, that merely adds to the already clearly established fact that it's been a hectic week here with the amphetamine. <laughs> Wouldn't you say, Diane? Yes, I would Please say, say so. Please yes, it elaborate was. on your saying so a bit. <laughs> Instead of here we sit like birds in the wilderness. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Okay. Well, I wasn't quoting my old friend Wes then. Although I may have heard it first from him. Yes. Yeah. I, I just, I, it was the climax of all my hard work. Oh, your job, yes. Yeah, my job was yeah. quite frenetic this week. And now, after this week, it's going to drop precipitously. Right. And I'm going to be very happy for that because it's just been too now, much are for we, too long. Are we, I mean, I'm not sure what's allowed here in this particular venue of conversational uh, endeavors, but are we allowed to say things like, for the last time in these uh, circumstances? Well, I'm not sure that it is exactly for the last time. But I mean, but it, It's probably have... the last time of being um, exactly the way that it's been. Right, because it seems like even the January busyness is not, does not compare in in depth or duration to the summer 
busyness. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Well, and it's September. It's not January that oh. is the next big okay. busyness time. But, but still. yeah, I don't think that it'll ever be quite the same again because uh, even, you know, I'll be retired by the right. next. So by July 17th of next yeah, year, you I'll will be, be retired. retired. But uh, it will, prior to that time, still be busy. Right. Because the, so month, it'll of, be my last the month of June skating, is usually pretty, yeah. is pretty busy. So your last month might be busy. but Yeah, but it'll never be quite the way it's been this year. Wow. So that's well, kind of exciting. I find, yeah, I find that element of it to be, you know, that word that I always try to think of. that I can never remember. <laughs> it's, it's, it is... Shush. It is uh, archetypal. Archetypal. Yes. It yes. Has an archetypal element to it because it is a passage. And uh, I don't know. A lot, yeah, of, a, lot of, th- a lot of changes are coming down the pike in our lives uh, in this next passage. And it's, you know, the perfectly appropriate changes that one makes at this time of life and stuff like that. But, you know, this is new territory for us. And it's it it's interesting to be with someone, and I'm speaking here to the audience more than to my wife, with someone like my wife, who actually thinks about this kind of stuff ahead of time instead of just kind of letting it happen to them, which would probably have been, if I was you know, left to my own devices, probably would have been a lot more like that had I not uh, benefited from the influence of the Diane Schulstad uh, uh, metric. <laughs> because uh, having lived amidst this level of organizational skill and art for 13 years plus, I can say that some of that cool stuff is starting to rub off on me and it's enabling me to do some things uh, in my life for my family uh, that I would not have probably even known how to do were it not for somebody like Diane. Just showing me that it's possible. So anyway, that's kind of my contribution at this point. Now back to you, Diane. Well, I have no no more to say about that except oh. that um, it is an odd feeling to think this, and I've had this feeling at various times in my working life, as right. everyone has, right. that you're either leaving a job or there's an aspect of your job that you won't be doing any longer, and and all of a sudden you think, oh my gosh, I'm never going to have to do this particularly difficult thing again, yeah. and. Or maybe um, this not so difficult thing that you've kind of enjoyed doing, you know. Right. Well, yeah. I, and I've enjoyed all of my job. Uh, it's it's been a chaotic amount of volume, but only because of changes in staff and all that. Yeah. But I have absolutely loved working where I'm working. So it's that's why the whole why I'm exploring the retirement in the way that I am because it is. It's not as easy to jump off when you feel yeah, like, one, yeah, I'm enjoying it. One cannot simply ignore the bittersweet elements of retirement, thinking that that's the best thing to do. Yeah. I just, I think it's it's a better thing to do, to be in it and feel it, because then it's not hanging around on you after the fact, you know. And well, and I think that this is all made more pleasant for me by the fact that I am planning to work still. But right. just at a lower level of percentage, and that makes me feel happy. You know, yeah. feel like yeah, because there's there's a certain problem solving 
aspect of my particular job that I absolutely adore. And, and it's also the, so. the because you're good at it and because you've you've enjoyed that part of your job for your entire career. Pretty much everybody else on campus knows that you're a resource person um, who takes pleasure in knowing the answers to the questions they have. And you're relied upon, I think, probably inordinately and inappropriately sometimes uh, to be the source of that knowledge. And it, a lot of times it actually saves the person asking the question the need to learn it themselves, which is actually what they should be doing. So there's, you know. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's always the case in life. And I, I just feel like I've enjoyed my time. And and it's strange to be thinking about this countdown mm. in a way. Yeah. Because unlike some people, I've never set up a retirement uh, calendar and had the days ticking by and all that. Some people have been doing that for five years, you know, that they hate their jobs so much. But that is not Well, that they mine. just are looking forward to retirement so yeah. much you know a lot of people i think it's just they're eager uh because they've got idea they know what they want oh to yeah do. that's and, true you know, for the people who want to travel and and do all these things like that they there's an uh, an anticipation i think that yeah. builds up that causes them to say to do that countdown thing well i just i have known people who really yeah. hated oh, their yeah. job that much oh, that yeah. they just were like oh god when can i be out of here right that's and different. I am not disparaging those people. I've I've been in situations where you're you're feeling like, can I hang on? You know, yeah. really, am but, I supposed to spend the rest of my career doing this? Yeah, I don't think so. But for me, knowing that it's less than a year away and how quickly years go, <laughs> uh, it makes me feel like wow, it's just around the corner. Yeah. So. Anyway, so that was my my hectic work week, which is never interesting for me to talk about, although the week is always interesting for me to live through. But um, uh, but I really wanted to talk a little bit more about something that happened last weekend, which was our wonderful Westminster Basement study group and and our continuing exploration of the literature of comedy. I, I cannot express enough how much I have loved that endeavor. Yeah. And uh, each week a different topic is brought up by, I mean, at each week that we have it, we're doing it every other week. Right. Bill Woolham brings up the topic that he thinks is part of the comedic enterprise. Wouldn't, and Wouldn't you say, just as an aside, that Bill Woolham is like a rock star? Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah, okay. Because he's just, always been that way, that kind of person in my life. And I'm just, he's one of those people that you're just amazed. I get to be friends with this guy. And I get to, I get to ask him questions and have him provide answers that are this, you know, thought provoking. Well, and, and, uh, I mean, quite frankly, just the fact that you have been speaking about his instruction ever since I've known you. Yeah. And then we were able to go to these various things with Bill, right. uh, particularly the Ashland, Ashland Shakespeare, Festival. Shakespeare Festival. And he did not attend the plays. He just but... came down He just came down for the conversation and to hang out with us and to cook for us and, you know, talk about the plays. I just thought... And that was one of the most <laughs> incredible... It was like having... Uh, when you are able to talk to somebody whose passion right. is literature and Shakespeare and various things and you have the opportunity to talk to them 
about their passion and just let them rip yeah. on it. Yeah. It's just the most incredible experience. It's and wonderful. that has been my experience of this whole idea of the Westminster Basement Study Group, that this man who had been an instructor to all of the people who were in this group, that I actually got to experience his instruction. Yeah. And that comedic literature i how long have we been doing it it's been like eight maybe he has had a different topic for every time and every time we continue to talk about it for the rest of the time until the next experience and uh about your talk talk about your uh you know auditing a class and stuff like that and getting getting more education in our in our dotage this, yeah. is, this is a very rich experience and it's wonderful because this is it's Bill's milieu and he loves it at least as much as we do and so you, to one of the things that was always so powerful about him as an instructor is his own passion he's one of those teachers where you can see it and yeah. you know from the minute he walks in the classroom he's he loves what he's doing and he loves the t- subject matter and you know he loves a chance to to not just share his knowledge, but to gain knowledge himself and to by interacting with people about it. And I think that's always been one of the values of his teaching style is it's very interactive. And he does not, does, he's not the guy who stood in front of the class and delivered a lecture. His classes were very much like what we're experiencing in the study group where he would just bring up a topic and it would be an open conversation from the beginning, you know, so. I, found, I have found this experience to be so enriching because it's like having the best class you have ever had. Right. Because not only do you have a passion-filled instructor, but everyone in the class is the best classmate you've ever had. Right, and it's like because of our age and experience, we, are, we know exactly... The, the level of receptivity that is required to really gain from this in a way that when we were when I was in my 20s I didn't know how to take a college class yeah I didn't know how to yeah I, I felt always well, felt like I didn't know how to even participate and also when you're young it's all about the the learning but it's also all about the grade right. you're you're concerned about how you're going to be graded right. and you've got this assignments is, that you've got to right. fulfill you've got uh, a massive amounts of reading to be done, papers to be written, midterms, and you know, final exam. You know, it's just there's all and these other things going on. This is just everybody bringing forth what they are considering for this particular uh, aspect of comedy. Right. And uh, so the last theme was home, home. which it, it's been so fascinating to me every time that we have a new topic how you feel like oh of course that would be part of comedy but I wouldn't have considered that uh, the first thing you know and this time we only read that the theme uh, was going to be home like a half an hour before Before we were going to be jumping onto Zoom, Bill, Bill had been doing some traveling and stuff like that, and so I hadn't had a chance to post the his little outline thing until. And I don't think I I still haven't looked at it. Uh, you well, you brought it up and you and you 
and you started. We started talking about it based on your seeing of it, and I don't think I ever even looked at it. Well, I'm just going to read it real quickly because it's not that long, right. and and just what it brought up was uh, so fascinating to me. So Bill Wollum writes, I taught the literature of comedy course for the first time in about 1999. I focused that course on stories, poems, plays, and movies that explored the concept in much liter- literary comedy of home, especially of being separated from home and returning again, but also about discovering a home. So this was a major aspect, not just, you know, an afterthought. This was sort of where he was exploring from the first. I began that course with a showing of The Wizard of Oz and made much of the multi-part Lassie episodes when Lassie got lost, was gone for a long time, and the emotional power of Lassie returning home, running over a hill toward Timmy, just as Timmy was shoveling a hole to bury Lassie's toys in. I hope you'll also have works that explore home come to mind that you can tell us about. Here are some of the ways we can discuss this aspect of literary comedy today. In works structured around the concept of home, home takes on a metaphorical meaning as well as being literally significant. I suggest we talk about what the concept of home stands for metaphorically. The impact of returning home or coming home or of discovering home is portrayed in works of comedy as enhancing the individual and as invigorating shared experience in the community, family, and other collective entities. Let's talk about that. Another way of thinking about this, often the return home or the arriving home marks a point in time when what was broken is made whole. Do you share my view that this is the promise of working with a therapist? Ever since we began this project, I've been looking for an opening when we might talk about therapy, whether physical or psychological, as something we can understand better when through the lens of literary comedy. So I just, I found that immediately uh, sparking. And the first thing that came to my mind for home was the, specifically, it could have been any of the Little Women uh, representations, either the book or the, or the other movies, but specifically the one that was directed and acted in by Greta Gerwig. Gerwig. Yeah. Because yeah. that is so phenomenally, in my mind, a representation of home throughout, right. and of the the leaving to go out in the world and the returning home and what it means, and the idea of the community within right. the the home that was generated by these these young women my first thought of uh, after hearing of that was the waltons which is another one which is and we were talking in the group about how those were somewhat idealized versions of home because if you really remember it i would say that everybody has an uh an idealized version. An idealized sure. version sure. of their home. And, sure. and also they are aware of all the other things that happen. But I think that whatever is, I want to say, nested in your heart from your, from your home is there. And that mm. part is always a little idealized because of the way that your childhood is idealized. 
Because when I really think about my childhood, I had a lot of fear and um, that was the time in my life where you first experience anxiety and the anxiety is almost overwhelming because you don't have the adult sense that this is just part of life, this is, it's going to come in waves of anxiety and the recession of anxiety. You're never going to experience I mean, it all the time. That's really what childhood is, is a series of first feelings. Um, you know, and so if you're lucky and fortunate, uh, like you and I were, there's a, a foundation of safety that makes all those other things manageable. That's right. You know, when you hear about, when you talk, when you listen to people talk about how children need to be told uh, fairy stories, the reason that there are scary elements to these fairy stories is that children know, need to know what it feels like to be afraid. Yeah. Because it's, they just need to know it so that it doesn't overwhelm them later in life. And I think they actually look for it. I did yeah. when I was a kid. I, when my favorite series was... Because there's something I've... about feeling that in your body that is kind of, it, it's an, in a certain way enlivening because it lights up parts of your body that aren't normally lit up. Right. So it's almost like a, a kind of a drug as a child because it's such a new experience. And wait, let's try that again. Wait, I didn't quite get it. You know, you get to, you have the, if you have the safety, then you can try these things on in a way that uh, incorporates them into your psyche in a, in a healthy way, I think. When, when I think about my own childhood, uh, we had certain routines that made me feel safe, you know, like bath time and yeah. reading before you went to bed and all these things that gave me a sense of safety in my home. But also there was so much love within our home, whatever the disagreements or issues that came up yeah. uh, that I always felt and and represented in one of my collages about my mom, you know, because my collage about my mom is actually named home right. because in my mind, my parents became home since we moved around so much. I didn't really always feel a physical place of being home, but I always felt this this feeling that I associate with being home. And it's interesting because one of the things that I did not bring up during uh, our multi-layered conversation because it, you know, there were so many points of reference about home uh, was the fact that I think that home is where you feel like you can be yourself. For example, you're not always getting gussied up to go out and uh, approach the world, which is what I do anyway. You know, I, I present a different person out in the world physically than I do when I'm at yeah. home. Yeah. I feel like an, I can just go around in a shirt that is not, you know, that has some stains on it or as I'm wearing right now. I'm not wearing pants right now. <laughs> another example. And, uh, He's lying, yeah. everybody. He's yeah. lying. He's yeah. wearing pants. I'm wearing pants. But what I mean is you, you can be a different... Yeah. You can just be That's yourself. That's the safety. That's the safety. Yeah. That's what I think is this. What I, what I mean when I say safety. Home represents uh, an offstage version of us. That's one of the comforts of home. 
And I, I've thought a lot about that in the whole, all the many expressions that are make yourself at home. You know, like if you go to somebody's home and they say, make yourself at home, they are basically inviting you to kick off your shoes, yeah. slump in your chair, don't worry about how yeah. you're appearing. Yeah. Um, I just... I I really feel like it's so interesting all the when he's saying metaphors that come about home uh and why it was so represented by the little women clip that I showed which was a specific scene in the movie about Christmas and I just the the chatter of the sisters their rough and tumble their uh, there's little spats and yet the the encompassing love that it uh, that they all experience the the hearth being having a fire in the hearth the food on the table the it's all things that represent safety right. now if you were not having that when you were a child then your recollection of home may not be as idealized as ours was. Right, or it may be represented in something, you know, geographic or something, you know, the, yeah. the setting, the, the environment, uh, rather than the human interaction element of it. But there's some, you know, usually there's something that calls a person back uh, in later life. You always think about, well, I always am amazed or have been amazed when the families gathered around the Thanksgiving table. That is a set of feelings that are happening in the moment that only happen in that time. And we never get enough time to really settle into that when everybody's together kind of feeling and, and uh, react to it in any kind of real way. But it's always, there's just a registering of emotion and you know, conflict, uh, whatever, just, a, just this kind of kaleidoscope of emotions that you don't feel at any other time except when you're together with your family. Well, and also when you go out into the world, then you are, you've gone from your home, you're going out, you're creating a home of your own making. Based in part on what you experienced. Exactly. As, or would aspire to based on your own experience, yeah. And then you're bringing the elements, uh, the, the people that you have created your own home around back to your home, and that's uh, an interesting facet of home as well. Yeah. But, yeah, I, there's I feel... Always, there's, there's always so much more in these sessions with Bill. There's way more than we have time to talk about. Oh, man. Because yeah. he well, brought up my, one of my songs as an example of home, and then I was thinking about, part of what I was thinking about is this is the interaction I'm having with my mom and my sister right now um, and trying to do some things from, on my mom's behalf, that's, that's like a coming home kind of experience for me as well. So there's, Well, and it's the, first, the full circle yeah. aspect of, of being there for your parents so it's as another, they it's were another, there. It's another layer you. of the ongoing metaphor uh, to add this element where someone who could be considered elderly... They're still taking care of their parent, yeah, on some level, you know. So that's a. I was I sent a short clip to Alice yesterday, and I said, "It's weird for me to think about being a sixty-three-year-old man and still wanting to be a good son to my mom." 
Oh, I think you always do. Yeah, I know, but it's just an odd thing. I mean, I don't think it it ever leaves you that you want to be. But but you never envisioned good... being in your sixties and still doing it. Yeah. You know, still trying to please your parents. You know, so it, that was just something that was registering to me yesterday when I. Well, I definitely was trying to please my mom till the yeah. till the end, and and there is. I mean, out of all the times in your life that you feel like you get a chance to be a good child, right. it's this time because yeah, but you, you don't you don't see it coming, you don't see yeah, it coming and because all of a sudden you've got this this uh, way that you can pay just a little minuscule amount back, and it's so minuscule it compared is. to what your parent has done, but you still feel like. This is my this is my chance. Yeah, well, it's because you can do something. Well, you then do the thing, even if it's just a little thing. Yeah, it's better than doing no thing because there's less and less you can do for a parent you know, when they get when they're in their mid eighties. There's just not a lot left. I can I can't give her anything. I certainly can't bring back any of the people she's lost or anything like that. So. But it's a so it's a big topic and this this idea of home and it's wonderful to have a uh, catalyst for thought like Bill Woolen just kind of because you know two weeks of pretty much daily conversation around something that he brings up as a topic that's pretty cool. Oh man, cool I don't even that. think it's just two weeks. I think it's yeah. beyond that. Yeah. But because all of the the topics start. Uh, running into each other too right the green world and home and yeah. uh you know. we, and it's because we're at this age where we we've seen it so when he brings it up we know exactly what he's talking about and we have um, immediate references from our life that come to mind that we can apply when you're 20 years old you don't have any of that to draw on right. you know so it's it's seems like the opportunity to learn is so much more relaxed and so and by virtue of that so much more enlivening and effective at this period of life than I ever felt when I was taking classes from Bill Willem back in Whitworth. Well, and so. it's just been such a, a privilege for me to oh, yeah. experience this because I had, oh, I don't know, maybe five or six professors who really had the passion and shared it with me and they are enshrined in my memory in a very uh, vaulted way because they they ignited passion within me. I will still remember to the rest of my days when Paul Reichstad, who is now gone, I just looked him up the other day. I thought, I wonder if Paul Reichstad is still alive. He would be old now, and, and he is not. He died a little while ago, and... I just was thinking he was the initiator of my passion for literature and even the reason why I went into English as a major because I was majoring in psychology and I was taking all these courses by him because he was so wonderful and I would be walking with him somewhere and he'd say, are you an English literature major? You, you've been taking a lot of classes, you know. And I said, no, I'm, I'm a psych major. And he was the one who said, well, why don't you double major? In, in, uh, because you certainly have been taking all the required classes. Yeah. And 
I just feel like those people in your life who ignite the passion within you and they had the passion to such a burning brightness that they actually could affect you with their now, because for me I always had the the interest right. but to have it that's why I say it it's like it goes to this greater degree that's why I think of pole vaulting you yeah. know yeah. you're going over uh, the 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 original bar that you had set and those people helped do that for me and David Seal, who is my modern poetry teacher, who Paul Reichstead had told me about. And there were some other uh, instructors in other disciplines, too, that really had that, that ability to really interest you to such an extent. Oh, yeah. But I feel like those people, by what they did in your youth... They stay with you for your life because right. you, you, <laughs> you caught the the bug for the passion. You got their you. They passed their baton on to you, and you keep carrying it forward. The interesting thing is that in my work groups, I've always had some, and it's always a young man. It's so interesting. I've always had some young men who are interested in philosophy and for some reason they share it with me. I'm having another experience of that nature with my work group now. Chris Crawford uh, had been that and then he left our group and then this new, uh, this new colleague of mine, Socorro, he had mentioned something about philosophy in our... Um, in yeah. our he just because he had a a representation behind his zoom meeting of this universe type of right. photo and he just mentioned well i've been reading some philosophy lately and i thought i'd do this and so i wrote to him and i said um just interested what philosophy are you engaged in right now and he said Alan Watts, and I was saying, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> and so then uh, I said, "Alan Watts is one of my guys too." And so I, I started telling him about Joseph Campbell. He had never heard of Joseph Campbell, oh and God. and oh I felt God. like, "Oh, here you wow. go." There you go. It's pretty exciting to be able to be a person who keeps that chain of information going. Yeah, yeah. I still remember uh, one of the first. Uh, young men that I had gotten interested in Alan Watts uh, was David Feller. He was a research scientist. I don't know how we got talking about philosophy, but he came over to listen to the to the Out of Your Mind series. Mm -hmm. And I still remember he was sitting on the floor just listening. And all of a sudden he looked up at me with wide eyes and just like, oh, my God. And I thought, yep. There it is. He's caught it. He's caught the bug. The passing of the metaphors. <laughs> Pardon me. I'm going to have another drink of coffee. Generations of generations. I love it. Oh, boy. I love it's it. It's good coffee. It's good if you get a chance to do that. Because I feel like, well, somebody introduced me to it, and man, am I excited to introduce somebody else to this. And that's the way I feel about talking about Bill Willem's ideas, too, is... It's exciting me so much that I want to pass it on to other people. And yeah. um, 
and have them think about home. One of the things that I thought about immediately when he brought up the topic was Cat's song Home. Yeah. Uh, because the song itself has incredible resonance yeah. from the start when you first heard it. But I have been hearing it for many, many years. And in that period of time throughout my life that I've heard it, I've heard it right before my father died. I've heard it in different circumstances of my life. Right. And so the song not only has its own magical power, but its place in my life. It's one of the ongoing metaphors in your life. I mean, it feeds, yeah. feeds one of the ongoing metaphors. And when I first heard it, I still remember telling Kat, oh my gosh, this is such an incredible song. And and it reminds me of uh, Emily in our town and her. And she said, that's exactly what I was after. And I was like, really? Oh my gosh. And I have had that experience. In fact, Bill Willems said that that was his experience of it too. Yeah. So, um, so that immediately came to my mind, not only from the power of the song, but the place that it has held in my life over many many years and how differently I saw that song at various times and uh and the times when I was just weeping because my father was dying or the the times where it just makes me think about the joys of that experience and how she encapsulated it so well in such a brief it's really maddening (laughs) <laughs> Truly, it's just one of the great, one of the great difficulties of my life having to deal with an artist at that level of uh, not only familiarity but genius. <laughs> She's just, just so good, and she just, and she, it's one of, the, it's a representation of, a, of just universal uh, expression couched in some tiny little specific lines. Uh, because of where they take you, the, the, what they trigger in you with each line coming. Um, it's just extraordinary. Well, and the reason I particularly love the song is because she doesn't s- skirt over the fact that no. that there are difficulties, too. Right. You know, what are you going to remember? You know, and how are you going to deal with it? And right. I just And the difficulties do not, do not affect, on some level, the yearning to return. Right. Because, uh, you know, even the difficulties are familiar. And they may, have, may not have been recognized as difficulties when you were experiencing them, only in retrospect. But even so. with that, it's sort of like that was what made you who you are. Right. The, the microcosm of the world that was represented in your family. And you also, have, if you've lived long enough to create your own home, you've seen those difficulties revisit your world because... You carry them with you, That's right. and you understand that there is a continuum here uh, that that contains all the good and the bad together. That you carry on whether you whether you intend to or not. You know, it's just part of what you carry. So it's a so big that, big ass topic. It is. And the other song you picked out is one that has been in my world. I don't know when the, the song first came out, 
But it amazed I, me. And I had in to the be, 1970s, right, I think. And I had to be reminded by you this morning that Carla Bonoff actually wrote that song. Yeah. And because that's like a, that's like part of the, uh, the zeitgeist as far as my life is concerned. Hearing that song again is just like, oh yeah, this song has always been there, you know. So it's it's contained in the same kind of metaphoric uh, uh, cluster with Cat's song, I think. Well, and also just the line. Uh, I'm actually singing in my head. Um, sing, sings me of sweet things. My life there has its own wings to fly over the mountains. <laughs> Though I'm standing still. <laughs> it's a good chorus. It's a good chorus. Yeah. And obviously resonates with us folks who Mommy, easily but you, get yeah. emotionally overwrought. Well, I was only getting um, that way because you were. You know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not because... <laughs> Anyway, yeah. Um, but it's it's a pleasure to have these ideas uh, sparking your weeks, and certainly our conversations are always joyfully centered on these wonderful ideas. So I'm very happy that we have this experience of conversation. to 
get revenge Would you take the sword Or make amends If someone gave you the power If someone gave you the power Would you go home? Home Sweet scent of home 